Hello and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the surprising connections between songs past and present and share the fascinating stories that make music a universal language. I'm Joe Watson and I'm here with my co-host, Toby Braswell. What is up, my friend? <laughs> I, I am well, much better now after that introduction, yeah, let me tell yeah. you. I'm going well, to the queue next. I'm just going to practice. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah. Well, I'm getting all settled with the new digs, man. So uh, life is all about experiencing new things. You know, as, as you know, change is hard. But I found that in life, sometimes change offers, you know, a chance for greater success. You know, as they say, you got to risk it to get that biscuit. Wow. <laughs> I don't know that I've heard that one, but I like it. I'm going to use like that it? one. I'm going to tell Maya that one tonight, you know, when she comes do it, home. Do it. First thing I'm going to say. Well, that is very true. And often change requires taking a chance, right? So sometimes the greater the risk, the greater the reward, the bigger the biscuit, the larger the cannoli. <laughs> I'm not sure. Right, but, right, right. Yeah. Well, in that vein, today's episode, we are going to focus on a few artists that have changed their musical genre and found greater success with it. Yeah, I can already tell that this is going to be a fun episode to do. Of course. Aren't they all? (laughs) Aren't they all, right? (laughs) I'm sure you have a list just like I do. So let's start with one of my favorites on our list of genre jumpers, Miss Katy Perry. Or should I say Miss Katy Hudson, if you're nasty. Oh, Turns out that the pop artist we know and love started off actually as a Christian singer and used her birth name. What? That is true. Yes, Katie Hudson, not to be confused with the actress Kate Hudson, not to be confused with actress Kate Hudson, was born in Santa Barbara, California. From the age of 3 to 11, which is like a bad shift to work, by the way, 3 to 11, nobody (laughs) wants that shift. Yes, it is a bad shift. Anyway, Katie's parents took her from city to city to city to set up churches and and do the good, good Lord's work. Well, money was tight back in those days, but young Katie definitely showed an affinity for the arts. Right, right. So religion was obviously an important aspect of her life as a young woman. So she sang at her parents' church from the age of 9 to 17. And while I was reading a little bit of her story, I found that we shared a lot of similar experiences with sneaking secular music CDs into the house. That was was one thing we used to do all the time. Hold up. Are your folks aware of this? Because I I do not want this to be the first time they're hearing it. You're coming (laughs) clean on, you know, to a national audience. You haven't told mom and pops. What's No worries on that, man. That confession happened a long time ago. And regardless, (laughs) regardless of what music Katie was listening to, she's always maintained an interest in creating it. So she took guitar lessons and worked hard to improve her writing skills. Well, her hard work paid off because she was signed to Red Hill Records and released an eponymously titled Christian album on March 6, 2001. Unfortunately, the album was not successful and only sold about 200 copies before Red Hill Records ceased to operate. You can find a track called Faith Won't Fail on YouTube, but unfortunately, nothing is available to put on the playlist for this episode. I think she probably locked all that stuff up. (laughs) So obviously, she changed her mind as to what type of music she wanted to pursue, and the rest is history. So, you know, going from Christian to pop, that's, that's quite a change. Well, I can speak from experience, you know, as far as Katie's experience is concerned. I, too, have kissed a girl and liked it. (laughs) You and me both, buddy. (laughs) That is the truth. It can certainly change things. Yes, it does. (laughs) Seriously, it's not hard to believe that an artist changed from Christian to pop. We talk about it often, right? Music is the universal language, and songs are like sonic photographs. They just tell one aspect of what a person is all about at one point in time. And a collection of songs is like a collection of photos or an album, 
if you will. Oh, right? you like look at that? that. Okay, all right. Look at you extending metaphors. <laughs> Dig it. There was another Christian artist, though, that turned pop and found success. I believe you were referring to the queen of Christian pop, Amy Grant. She has sold more than 30 million records worldwide. Oh, and by the way, she's won six Grammys. The one and only. I used to love Amy Grant back in the day, let me tell you. Mm -hmm. But I feel the world got to know her a lot better when she strayed away from Christian pop and released her secular pop album, Heart in Motion, in 1991. Now, that was her most successful record with 5 million copies sold. Her singles, Heart in Motion and Baby Baby, were played heavily on pop record stations, and I can distinctly remember hearing them both on my bus ride home. <laughs> so one of two things was happening. Either the bus driver was, was, had a booming system, which is possible, I guess, or you had a booming Walkman. Either way, well done you. Thank you. For those that were surprised at her switching lanes to pop, I say, for shame. <laughs> this is a switch we should have all seen coming, especially since she was the other half of the duet, The Next Time I Fall in Love with Chicago frontman Peter Cetera. So now I know we've discussed Satara and Chicago on a past episode, but let me just be honest. I mm -hmm. had to listen to the song again in preparation for this episode. It's just that good. Grant returned to Christian music and released an album in 2002 called Legacy, Hymns and Faith, followed by another release in 2003 entitled Simple Things, which didn't do very well commercially. Simple Things is actually a phenomenal album. Uh, Actually, hold up. I think <laughs> I'm thinking of the right. <laughs> 07 album. Okay. The one that introduced the world to Sia. So mm. listeners, please go check that one out. We'll put a song from that album on this episode's playlist, actually. One that features Sia, because it's a great track. Amy Grant's more than 25 years in the industry and the catalog of songs that it created was good enough for her to be inducted in the Gospel Music Hall of Fame. Well, what happens when you achieve a certain level of success, Tobe? What happens? Haters. Haters, that is correct. <laughs> so they come in in all shapes and all sizes, and Amy Grant's haters criticized her for the genre change and claimed that she was too sexual. Mm -hmm. So she filed for a divorce in 1999 and then married Vince Gill one year later. Of course, this only added more fuel to the fire. Well, she seemed to take it all in stride and had this to say about it. So I didn't get a divorce because I had a great marriage and then along came Vince Gill. My husband and I had a rocky road from day one. I think what was so hard, and this is what one of my counselors had said, sometimes an innocent party can come into a situation and they're like a big spotlight. What they do is reveal, by comparison, the painful dynamics that are already in existence. Well, now that we have talked about a couple of artists that have gone from religious to secular pop music, let's turn our attention to someone that came from the dark side to become famous for his pop sensibilities. I was not aware that Ozzy was making pop records now. That, that is, that's something else. I haven't heard that. That's really interesting. Is there a new release I should be checking out? I'm actually not referring to the actual Prince of Darkness, but mm. rather, rather the devil's music that is rock and roll, especially <laughs> hard rock or worse, heavy metal. Oh, and we wow. all know that when you think of heavy metal, you cannot help but think of Michael Bolton. Michael Bolton? Okay, huh? now, now I know you're joking. How am I supposed to live without you, Michael Bolton? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. And to answer your question, I don't know how I'm supposed to live without you, buddy. The miles <laughs> between us, it just makes it very difficult to grab a pint before we record. 
Well, nowadays, it's all about the Zoom, my friend, all about mm. the pint over Zoom. Yes. But back to Michael Bolton. We all know him as a pop icon. But before that, legend has it, he actually auditioned to be the lead singer of Black Sabbath, Ozzy's former band. It's a rumor that he flatly denies, saying he's not sure how that even became a thing. I wish it was a thing, because that's just a cool story. (laughs) (laughs) Wouldn't it be? It would be, yeah. Well, truthfully, it could be in part because his early band, Blackjack, did indeed open for Ozzy back in the day. That is a true story. So at the time, he had not yet altered his real name, Michael Bulletin, and his instantly recognizable raspy voice was in full effect as the frontman for this hard rock outfit. So besides Bolton on vocals, you had Bruce Kulick on guitar, Sandy Gennaro on drums, and Jimmy Haslip on bass. So that is what they call a stacked lineup. So Bruce Kulick, of course, went on to a long-standing stint with Kiss. Gennaro played with acts ranging from Pat Travers to Cyndi Lauper. And Haslip went on to form the fusion outfit Yellow Jackets, who won a couple of Grammys in the mid-80s. And side note, Yellow Jackets also featured one of my all-time favorite guitarists, Robin Ford. So, you know, Tobe, you and I have talked about voices we'd like to have for a day. Right, like, right. you want to borrow Leslie Odom's voice and just mm-hmm. know what that's like. Well, I'd say Robin Ford's his guitar tone, that would be very high on my list of, like, sounds that I would like to just play for a day. That would be amazing. So while Blackjack didn't reach the top of the charts, they did have moderate success with their self-titled debut album in 79. It sold around 100,000 copies, and the single Love Me Tonight reached number 62 on the Hot 100. We'll put that track on the playlist for this episode. You know, it's weird, because in both sides, I went back and listened to some of these Blackjack albums, Mm -hmm. and their sound and sort of their peripheral popularity that Blackjack reminds me a little bit of another band that's that locally here is a. I guess you're not local anymore, Tobe. Can I still pretend you're a Cleveland? <laughs> My heart is still in Cleveland. Okay. My heart well, is in Cleveland. There is a band that's a local Cleveland treasure. They've had some moderate national success back in the day in the 80s and stuff. Uh, the Michael Stanley band. So hmm, okay. let's add some MSB to the playlist too. Let's do that. Let's do that. Michael Bolton would give a hint of his career to come on Blackjack's second and final album, Worlds Apart, with a cover of the Supreme song, My World is Empty Without You. And since we mentioned the Supremes, it seems an appropriate time to shout out some remarkable musicians in their own right, the Funk Brothers. Without their work, Motown would not have been what it was. Without a doubt, and in particular on that My World is Empty track, Mike Terry. That baritone sax work that sort of just pumps throughout that entire song is epic. So let's let's go ahead and put that one on the playlist too. It's a great song. It's a great song. So Blackjack did find new life when they were sampled by a couple of prominent rappers in the early 2000s. Before we tell you about all of that, we're going to take a little break. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back. So, Tobe, before the break, you were telling us about how Michael Bolton's band Blackjack was sampled by a couple of big names. So, can you tell us some more, please? 
Absolutely. So in 2002, Jay-Z sampled the Blackjack song Stay for his song A Dream. And in 2004, Kanye interpolated part of a Blackjack song, Maybe It's the Power of Love, for his song Never Let Me Down from the College Dropout album. So I guess Blackjack did eventually make it pretty big. Yeah, I guess so. Well, certainly its individual members did. And Michael Bolton got his first major hit with the song that we previously mentioned, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? And that song marked his official transition from hard rock to easy listening. So let me ask you this question, Joe. Yes, sir. So if we go back to the songs that were actually sampled by this group, that's what we call digging. Okay, digging in the crates, because right? this was not a well-known group. For them to find it and say, hey. Like, wh- how are Jay-Z and Kanye digging through old Blackjack albums? I have no That's idea. Crazy. That, crazy. That is crazy. That's what you call digging, digging in the crates right there. So it's always interesting to hear how some hits take a winding road to success. And in this case, How Am I Supposed to Live was originally offered to the duo Air Supply, but Airs to Records president... Clive Davis wanted to change the lyrics of the chorus, and Bolton refused. Yeah, it's, I mean, anytime somebody comes to you and says, hey, we want to do your song, but guess what? We're going to change it, right? So in this case, <laughs> Clive was like, let's rewrite the chorus. And Michael Bolton was like, no, sorry, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull the song back. You're, if you're changing it, I'm not going to give it to you. So essentially what happened is Clive cut off the air supply. I mean, <laughs> how am I supposed to live? Well done, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Although it was low-hanging fruit. Well, well done. Yeah. Well done. I'm not going to give you any credit, though, for a, Man, a pun that I'm proud. Okay. <laughs> We're going to move on. All right. Well, Laura Branigan would instead record the song as it was originally written, and it spent three weeks at number one on the adult contemporary charts in 1983. Not a bad follow-up to her breakthrough hit, a cover of Umberto Tozzi's Gloria that sold mm-hmm. two million copies in the U.S. alone. It's around this time that Brannigan sort of lost all semblance of self-control. You're on a roll today. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. You're on a roll today. (laughs) Uh, That was a little better. I'll I'll give you props on that one. Okay. A virtual high five. (laughs) (laughs) So self-control was another of Brannigan's big hits and also one where she covered an Italian artist. The Italian singer Raph did the original version. And believe it or not, it was released around the same time that Laura Brannigan's cover, and both versions charted. So this is kind of a crazy story. So Raph's version hits number one in Italy in June of 84, and then Laura Brannigan's version hits number one in Germany in around pretty much the same time, June, May of 1984. So they are both huge hits in separate parts of Europe at the same time. But then Laura Brannigan's version comes back in, to the U.S., and it peaks at number four on the U.S. Hot 100. So... I can't think of a contemporary song that has had multiple versions on the chart at the same time. Do you, anything coming to mind, Tobe? So, Joe, the only thing that I can think of, and we'd have to actually go back to the charts and actually check it out, when the movie Rocket Man oh, came the out. Oh, John Flick, you know, yeah. Exactly. When that came out, they had a, a newer version of some of his songs, and I, I figure like some of the older versions of the songs, they might have been in the same time, charted at yeah. same time, so that's possible. So, listeners, hit us up on social and let us know if you can think of any other recent examples. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Riffs on Riffs or tweet us at Riffs on Riffs Yo. Do you know what's charting right now, by the way? Do I know? Phil Collins, In the Air Tonight. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Because of those two kids that did that first listen video and that blew up. And so now it's back on the charts. I think that's so cool. 
is very cool, very awesome. I actually listened to uh, an NPR episode, and they just had the audio from that scene. I was just listening to these kids, you know, talk like kids yeah. do today, yeah. talk about that song that is older <laughs> right. than both of them. <laughs> Maybe combined. <laughs> like, oh, this is cool. The drums came out of nowhere. <laughs> right. Oh, my God. I was like, yeah. Yeah, it, the song does that. Yep. <laughs> the song does that. All right, so back to Michael Bolton. He co-wrote Brannigan's hit, How Am I Supposed to Live Without You? But then he decided to take it big all by himself. He recorded his own version in 1988, and it went straight to number one on the Hot 100 and the adult contemporary charts, and it won him a Grammy for Best Male Pop Vocal Performance. So at the casino, we call that blackjack. You know that, right? Okay. 21! Seriously? Winner, you're, winner! You're giving me grief for my <laughs> puns, and you're going to come out with that? What? Come on. What? You know what? Let me say this, Ben. Let me say this. What type of confidence slash cocky do you have to be to give a song <laughs> to an artist? Like, here, go ahead. Go ahead and do it. And then after the song comes out, and it charts. And it does so well. It, it did what it's supposed to. It does very well. And then you're like, you know what? I can, I'm going to do it better. <laughs> I'm going to do it better. You know what? I dare. <laughs> this is what it's, it's like. It's like <laughs> I dare any man to do this at home. <laughs> have, your, have your girlfriend or your wife cook you a meal. <laughs> you sit down. You take one bite. Just you know stand what? right up. This is good. Push the chair back. This is good. Like, you know stand what? This up. is good. But hold up. <laughs> I think I can do better. <laughs> I dare anybody to do that. I dare you. Please oh don't do God. that, gentlemen. That's what? a really, really bad idea. <laughs> Please don't, please don't. And if you do, don't blame don't, You didn't hear it here. I'll put it that way. In another interesting bit of song shuffling, Bolton wrote another song for Laura Brannigan, I Found Someone. It was only a minor hit for so hold her, up a but second. it became... Hold up. So she's all like, how am I supposed to live without you? And then she's like, you know what? Right. I, I, found I found someone. I take that back. I'm good. I take it back. I take it all back. I take it all back. Well, the song was a minor hit for her, right? Maybe she didn't believe it. Maybe she really did find it. So it was a minor hit for her. But it became a major smash for a woman who is such a big star that she only needs her first name. And don't you forget it, Sonny. Really? Okay. That is, seriously, that is enough. <laughs> Moving on. You, of course, are referring to Cher. And her recording of I Found Someone marked her own return to the charts in 1987. Now, it was actually produced by Michael Bolton, and I would also like to point out that Steve Lukather from Toto played guitar on that track. Honestly, I think, because, you know, Toto gets so much shade, and I, I don't know why, but those guys were monsters, and there were so many tracks that they played on as session musicians, so we're going to start noting this because it's a, it's a huge number, and I want to I give them some love. Okay, all right. Well, that kind of reminds me of a joke. <laughs> I don't want oh, you boy. to kill me on the okay. shade. <laughs> so what did Steve Lukather say to Carrie Livgren in 1984? Uh, I have no idea. You're not in Kansas oh, anymore. Okay. <laughs> that is First hilarious. of all, that is digging way deep. <laughs> that, so, is, that is beautiful. That is good. That is good. <laughs> Well, for those that maybe aren't as steeped in music knowledge as my co-host, <laughs> Carrie Livergan was a founding member of the band Kansas. But, uh, okay, enough. Please carry on, <laughs> wayward son. I hear you. I hear you. So Michael Bolton will go on to international stardom, more accolades and awards, and over 75 million records sold. I'd say his lane change was the right move, and clearly the man has talent. So the question is... Joe, are you a fan? Okay, so first of all, I totally agree. He's, he's obviously talented, but whether or not you like someone's voice, it's purely subjective, right? So 
I can appreciate his voice because he's got talent. But I don't know, there's just something about it for me personally that I just don't, I don't enjoy it. And that's it, it's just not my preference. You know, I've been, I was actually having a conversation with my daughter and she's just this huge James Arthur fan right now. And so we listen to a lot of his stuff and she loves his voice. And he's I, good. Look, again, the dude's yeah. got talent, but I just don't like his voice. It, it doesn't move me. It's just, mm. I don't know, it sounds kind of whiny to me a little bit, but, uh, you know, again, purely <laughs> subjective. So how about you? Are you a Mike, Michael Bolton guy? Well, you know, he's got a great voice. I mean, that, that cannot be denied. I'm not a fan of his music as a whole. To me, it, w- it was probably the, more likely to do yeah. with the genre, right? Easy listening just has a way of making it really easy for me to tune <laughs> right. out. But maybe it was the fact that I was younger and more in tune with other artists. What would have been nice is to see him work with people like mm-hmm. Babyface or Teddy Riley, just a different type of production. Great production plus his great voice. I mean, kind of guaranteed yeah, it would have been, yeah, it probably would have grooved a little more. Well, I will say this. Bolton had a hit with his cover of Otis Redding's Sitting on the Dock of a Bay all the way back in 87. Mm-hmm. And look, Redding's widow, Zelma, said that Michael Bolton's version brought tears to my eyes. This is a quote. Brought tears to my eyes. Reminded me so much of my husband that I know if he heard it, he would feel the same. So, you know what? If it's good enough for them, it is good enough for me. Yeah, yeah. Well, in that voice, and that yeah. song, that's a perfect marriage right there. That's a perfect song. So now we've looked at an artist that went from hard rock to pop. What do you say now we move on to an artist that went from the heights of pop success to making a big splash on the country charts? Okay. Well, if you reverse that, I'd guess that you were talking about T-Swift, but since we're going from pop to country, I'm going to say that we're going to talk about Darius Rucker. Though I guess with the recent tour and the new album from Hootie and the Blowfish, I guess he's back to pop. But It's all listed as country still. I don't know. This is all getting very confusing to me. Yeah, that is confusing. So maybe we should start from the beginning. So Darius Carlos Rucker was born and raised in Charleston, South Carolina, and attended the University of South Carolina. He was singing in the shower one day when his buddy, Mark Bryan, heard him and said, hey, let's form a band. Okay, so for all of you that are like, hey, I only sing in the car, I only sing in the shower, I I have a new, just do it in public. So that somebody can hear you, and then it will lead to fame and fortune, and, you know, you can write your own ticket. Yeah, so flag on the play. I don't think that you should be showering and singing in public. I don't think that that is a good oh. thing to do. <laughs> Shower the combination could get someone in trouble. That's I think that's very strike two for Riff's recommendations for <laughs> today. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. So Rucker and Brian formed a duo called the Wolf Brothers and started doing local shows on campus. They later add friends Dean Felber and Jim Sonfeld and formed the group Hootie and the Blowfish. Consistently listed in surveys as one of the worst band names ever, and no, Darius Rucker (laughs) is not actually Hootie. And look, as far as I can tell anyway, the rest of the band members are not actually Blowfish. The band name is a mashup of a couple of friends' nicknames. So Darius had a friend who had big eyes and glasses and resembled an owl. So he nicknamed him Hootie. He had another friend that could puff out his cheeks like Dizzy Gillespie. So he started calling him Blowfish. So Rucker has this to say about the band name. They walked into a party and I went, Hootie and the Blowfish. And I thought to myself, what a great name for a band. I lied yes, to did. myself. That's, <laughs> that is not a great name oh, for a band. No, no. Maybe not a great name for a band, but certainly that is a band that has achieved monumental success. Their debut album, Cracked Rearview, was the best-selling album of 1995 and has gone 21 times platinum. Man. Hits like Hold My Hand, Let Her Cry, and 
Only Want to Be With You became radio staples. So the band would win Best New Artist at the 1996 Grammys, and they would continue to release albums and tour through 2006. Now, it's about that time that we see Darius Rucker make his lane change. You know what? He's, he's actually made, kind of made a couple of those. So in 2002, he released an R&B album titled Back to Then, and he had this to say about it. That was just a minute in my life. I was listening to a lot of Notorious B.I.G. and Lauryn Hill at the time. I wanted to make a neo-soul record. Well, he's got the voice for it. To me, he can do whatever he wants. (laughs) I think he's got a fantastic voice. So in 2008, Rucker announced that he was going on hiatus from the band in order to make country music. Now, his goal was to record three or four country albums. And he had this to say about that process. You see, a lot of people are doing one-off saying, hey, this is my country record. But this is a career and I'm trying to build. The people that say they don't get it, I'll let the music speak for itself. I plan to do a lot of country Well, there were a lot of people that did get it, as evidenced by the success of his debut country album, Learn to Live. It went platinum and had three number one singles on the country charts. Don't think I don't think about it. It won't be like this for long and all right. By the way, doesn't that just sound like a sequence or a conversation? Well, don't think I don't think about it. Well, it won't be like this for long. All right. (laughs) All right. (laughs) So Rucker went on to win the 2009 CMA for New Artist of the Year, becoming the first African-American to win the award since its introduction in 1981. Well, true to his word, Rucker released four more country albums, all of which that have just blazed right up the country charts. And true Mm -hmm. to his crossover appeal, his last country album, 2017's When Was the Last Time, reached number eight on the Billboard 200 and debuted at number two on the top country albums charts. Also true to his word, Hootie and the Blowfish never broke up. And in 2018, they decided it was long overdue to create new music and head out on tour. They figured it would have been weird to just release a new album without any context, right? Hey, we've been gone for 20 years, but hey, here's new music. So they decided that a tour made the most sense. Even then, there was, there was some trepidation about what the, what's the response going to be after so long. When they were winding down tours a decade earlier, they had already gone from selling out arenas to playing much smaller venues. Well, it turns out those fears were unfounded. So their group therapy tour grows $42 million in the U.S. alone, and the reception has been overwhelmingly positive. But what's really interesting is that Hootie and the Blowfish are now categorized as a country yeah, it act. Is a, it's an interesting classification, and band member Mark Bryan puts it this way. Here's a quote. It's like we're doing the same thing we always were. We're just songwriters writing our songs and playing them, and then all of a sudden they're calling it country? That's fine. It's just semantics. So, and Darius Rucker puts it this way. People love guitars, and country's the only place where you can hear guitar. I really never thought rock and roll would be where it is right now, to be honest. Hip-hop's the new rock and roll. Hip-hop is the new rock and roll. You believe that, Tobe? You think that's true? I kind of do, man. I kind of do. I think that it's one of the most influential genres of the day. I mean, it's, a, it's the music of the young, just like rock and roll was. Some of the acts that really forged and were pioneers in the game that are now doing doing tours in their yeah. 40s and yeah. their 50s. The living legends. Initially, we thought that, well, hip-hop's only, it's a young man's game. It's mm-hmm. a young person's game. But here we are with, you know, Jay-Z and some of the other be older like the Rolling acts. Stones Nas here just soon. released an album. You know, in their yeah, 70s, exactly. in the road. So why not? Well, maybe we can expect Darius Rucker to make another lane change and put out a hip-hop album. You know what? It feels like there's probably a hoodie joke in there somewhere, but (laughs) it's not coming to me. Not coming to you. I get it. I get it. 
You know, one person that we did forget to mention that actually made a switch from Christian to secular music and then back to Christian music was Al Green. Oh my gosh, Al yes. Green. He's got several uh, gospel albums. He's very renowned. He's yeah. very successful yeah. at both, right? I thought we should at least mention him by name, and I know we'll cover him in sure. another episode. So and of course, you know, Miley, and I mean, there's there's lots of artists we didn't get to, but yeah, Al, Al Green's a good one. We we got to do some more more work on him. All right, my Absolutely. friend. In the meantime, I think it's time for us to make one final lane change and exit off the Riffs on Riffs superhighway. So can you tell the good people what all we covered today? So we discussed a few artists that changed musical genres to find mainstream success, including Katy Perry, Amy Grant, Michael Bolton, and Darius Rucker. Thanks again for joining us on this crazy journey, and be sure to check out the playlist for this episode on Spotify and Apple Music. Just do a search for Riffs on Riffs. While you're at it, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. It just might help someone else stumble upon our witty banter and bad puns and get back to Kansas. <laughs> so be sure to connect and dialogue with us on social at Riffs on Riffs. As always, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time for Riffs on Riffs. Keep listening. Huzzah. Thanks for listening to Riffs on Riffs. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a review on your Apple Podcast app. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. And assistant producer, Declan Roars. You can find Riffs on Riffs anywhere and everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. I'm Toby Braswell. And I'm your co-host, Joe Watson. Thank you for listening to Rips on Rips. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not. It's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.